Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. If hockey, if hockey were person, it would be Lena Lamont from Singing in the Rain. I can't stand him. <laughs> I can't stand him. I can't stand him. <laughs> Sorry, you were going to say. Um, <laughs> boys and girls, this is Donnie Don't. Donnie Don't is a very important person. Donnie Don't works for a hockey team. Donnie Don't thinks he wants to sign a player. Donnie Don't. Donnie Don't doesn't do his background research nor contact the victim's family. Donnie Don't. Don't be like Donnie. Donnie Don't. And that's going to be the end of my conversation on that whole thing. Oh my god, I need to go do some... uh, um training don't i on my uh at work <laughs> sorry hey i don't have a job where they do fire me <laughs> and, i'm gonna go cry now <laughs> hey they could fire you and immediately try to rehire you when they realize oh we need you to build things oh that's but enough about enough, enough about dumpster fires in our various areas Oh, that's where all the technical knowledge went with the guy we just laid off. Huh. Oh. Oh, you mean we need that back end thingy to make the thingy work like the thing he's supposed to do in thingies? Okay. <laughs> Donnie don't. Printing out code. Don't mm-hmm. be a Donnie don't. <laughs> and Donnie don't works better than trying to make a rhyme with sea bass. <laughs> But maybe he gets filleted in the mm. process. Uh, he definitely should be fried. Um, <clears throat> and I mean that in a colloquial frickin' fish fry sense. Oh, you think he should be put to electric? No, let's not start every conversation at zero, shall we? Imply some sarcasm, acerbity, sardinism. Okay? Okay? Mm-hmm. Give yeah. people the benefit of the freaking doubt. Yeah. That's Ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's always one of my favorite lines from Trading Places. So what else happened this week? Um, the Edmonton Oilers found the cliff mm. and decided to drive right off of it in the clown car um, head first. Um, man, I, I said it on Twitter last night and it breaks my heart because, uh, I, uh, it's sort of like having to give Toronto a backhanded compliment. Um, you know, that if. If if Jack was playing relatively well for that organization, that means that they were actually a little bit better defensive structure and maybe had better goaltending coach, which is just so cringy for me to say. It's sort of like it's a faint praise type, you know, 
you like total Lucille Ball, you you know type. Well, bit. if it makes you feel better, no one in the GTA would ever give the team credit for that. So you're, you will not be lumped in with that group of people. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Because I think really at the end of the day, if I was you know if I was to go back to my therapist again today, um, and we dug into that, I think that's really what it would be is that I would be seen as being becoming Toronto media. One of them. Being an insider instead of an outsider. As someone who has been an outsider all of my life in so many different ways, I can relate to that. (laughs) I, I, yeah. I'm not going to say what I normally say in that situation because it's not even R-rated. Um, Hey, it turns out that the world did not collapse unto itself and 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 our galaxy didn't spiral off into being sucked up by a supermassive black hole having Shane Wright play more than 6 minutes a game. Ladies and gentlemen, all it took was for one of his toys to break and and now he's stuck in this conundrum of I always put the best roster. I always put the roster out there that gives us the best chance to win. Wins the last two games with said player on the roster. I. Uh, uh, yeah, that doesn't. No, uh, most most coaches will be like, oh, it's just some minor player. We can swap him out. It won't be any big deal. No one will notice. I just. Uh, um, uh, a veteran shouldn't lose his spot due to injury. There we go. That'll be the excuse. Uh, yes, yes, yes. There you go. That'll be the excuse. But only after the sure. five minutes of, of David Cross stammering, and uh, you know, then he'll reach that conclusion. He drew he's a penalty. Already, he's probably already reached that conclusion. So it'll be a nice, seamless. Oh well, he's back. So you're out. Transition. He he drew a penalty. Was a plus one. You know, was on was actually I think he was a plus two because he was on the ice for Vince Dunn's game-winning goal, which was good because uh, you talk about and I don't know who did this because it was a brilliant move, having the faceoff be on Yanni Gord's side, strong side, and having Yanni take the faceoff so that the kid didn't have to worry about it in that situation on his weak side. I know that wasn't Hackstall's choice. Oh no! It totally probably was. Uh, I think Trophy, remember NHL head coach, power play team when they start a power play gets to choose which side. But probably like didn't do it with any thought to Shane Wright's situation. Just did it because that, no, that's what made sense for Yanni Gord. Well, I think who's the real center on the line? Go to his strong side. So. Both things I think are true here. It was thinking more about Gord and not thinking about Wright at all. Okay. And I am, as I texted a friend of mine who is part of the hockey media last night, I said I was deathly surprised that Dave Haxtell didn't scratch him simply because his parents were at the game. Oh, yeah. I wonder if his parents showed up unannounced and then, you know. He was already I, in the lineup, and too bad. 
mom and dad yeah okay i'm in okay okay yeah no no tickets are at the front desk under tom smith okay mm -hmm, okay mm -hmm. <laughs> not telling the coach not telling anybody just go ahead sit down it'll be fine yeah, i'm surprised the lineup <laughs> Well, it must have been a little easier since it was on the road, you know, no one in the building to tell you what's going on or set things up. Nah, he would have had to go through Pittsburgh. He probably would nah, actually no. He would have had to still go through the, the Kraken to coordinate getting the tickets. Oh, yeah. Te team services would have. Yeah, uh, not necessarily. He could do do it the old fashioned way like the Seek fans do and just. Yeah. Or, or I mean, there were or the Gary Batman like ticket sales, Ticketmaster or something, and buy tickets for the parents and not worry about it. Seat geek, seat geek seats for my parents. Because tonight's the night I clear one of my bonuses, mom and dad. Um, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so now the real questions start to begin. Axel has two more gimme games. And then they have that 10-game conversation, or as I like to call it, do your general manager a favor and make the next contract negotiation easier. And so the first year. I guess Shane Wright's not going to be playing for another month then, is that what you're saying? Uh, just so he can, just so everyone can put that off for as long as possible, and oh gosh, just in time for World Juniors. All right, we're good. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and I can't help but wonder if that's not the play. Hackstall's play is just dragging this out until World Junior, and then. Sending him off to to go do that, so so Ronnie franchise gets off his back for a few weeks, doesn't have to worry about it, and then the, then he can come. You know, if he comes back having blown the doors off the place, then then it becomes a different conversation. But if he goes there and has a solid, you know, I think this is I think this is one of those where the goalposts have been moved and they're not even you know they're not moving from an nfl football goalpost to a cfl football goalpost they're going all the way to like afl or rugby mm -hmm. you know they're, they're they're just blowing those things down the road for him and that's how and my, i mean hackstall's doing that right if he goes there and absolutely blows the doors off of the uh, off at the world juniors i mean like tickles you know tournament records type stuff and scoring and all this kind of stuff. Hackstall's going to have some answering. If he goes there and has a solid, then it's like, well, this is what we expect of him. This is why he was, you know, our fourth overall pick, blah, blah, blah. We still don't think, you know, still don't think that it translates, you know, the success translates very well to, you know, the NHL, but we're continuing to give him opportunities to prove that he can be a roster, you know, get in the lineup, you know, this, the same word salad that he spewed last time. And it helps that the team is sitting ahead of the Edmonton Oilers, the Calgary Flames, the, you know, the, the surefire one-two that everyone thought would be in the Pacific Division. Yeah, give me 20 games. <laughs> I'd... Yeah, I was about to say, we, we haven't reached a normality point. Nah. 
Wait till the All-Star break. That, yeah. I I agree on the 20-game mark for most teams. I think the All-Star break will say, can Seattle hang in this? The 20-game mark is, what do they really play like? Yeah, I think at 20, you know who you are. At All-Star break, you know what you can do. And where and where you need help. I think I think you see what you've got up and down the roster. Deficiencies kind of come in and out. Deficiencies don't really normalize until around All Star break. And here's the example I'll use to point this out: the Ottawa Senators. Unless you're an, think- unless you're an Edmonton Oilers goaltender, I had to finish that thought. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I did. I didn't give you the runway for that. Um, Edmonton Oilers, or the Ottawa Senators, currently last place in their division. Even goal differential. Usually this time of year, you want a positive goal differential. The good teams have really big ones. The really bad teams, hello Columbus Blue Jackets, have really negative ones. Ottawa's right there, even keeled, but they haven't been dining out on free overtime points like some other teams that I will not name. See, that's the point where you guys are supposed to start naming those teams off. I'm, I'm, no, <laughs> that's okay. That's I'm okay. You know what? I I am not going to, what was it, broadcast shame like that. They know who they are, Pat. They, <laughs> they know, know what they've done. <laughs> Will get to the San Jose Sharks later. Mm. And at least in that case, I can't blame them. (laughs) Ottawa, they're still waiting for their so-called other goalie to show up. Uh, New owners? New owners? Is that what they're waiting for? No. Relocation? What? (laughs) No, they're, they're waiting for Montreal to come back down a little bit for, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Detroit to come back down a little bit. Tampa to who knows? Wise. I don't think Ottawa's the worst team in that division. I don't think being last place after 11, 12 games with a with a zero goal differential really means you're a last place team. I no. It just means that there's some there's some overachievers and some underperformers and you know I mean unless it's Toronto then I would just I'm going to continue to revel in just the sheer panic uh, you know that that would ensue in that particular oh wait panic did ensue and they weren't in last place Um, wait wait, so so you know panic in most fan bases most teams would mean change but it doesn't seem to be the case for toronto is it just one of those things where they expect panic and then they all just move on they are Wait, i'm um, sorry is keith patrizelli not enough change for you cassie <laughs> hell <laughs> exactly they um i think toronto fans are shelter animals that have been rescued from abusive relationships and they're in yeah. another one. And well, it, they just go from <laughs> house to house where those people don't want them. And so, you know, when they get back to the shelter, 
other teams come by and so we'll take you home and they cower away and then you know they come you know one of the old owners come or one of the old owners comes back and they're like i kind of know you you weren't too horrible okay hi you know oh we'll take this one again you know that kind of thing they just you're just um they just love cyclic abusive relationships with the same entities yes okay some more sports fans then. Wait, I'm sorry. Are we talking about the <laughs> Toronto fans or the general manager? Well, <laughs> because wait, as soon as you got that last point out, I got confused. The name of the team was the Greyhounds, which is in fact a dog. Hmm. So sure. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Uh, it works for me. Oh man, I want a convoluted reverb plugin. What God people? No, you don't. Put it away. <laughs> I can't. I can't buy anything right now. What do you? I care? know. That's what I'm saying. Doesn't mean I can't look, Cassie. Hey, look. You know. I'm just trying I, to look, see all this teams team. have all. dreams. Even Toronto, they dreamed that the cap would go up, kind of like normal, and these huge contracts wouldn't be so bad, and they wouldn't be using the nail gun to their foot every single off season. But here we are again. Yeah, I don't think they understand math. That's just my, my uh, Oh, no, I think it's the other way around. Math they understands them? Too well. No, they think they know it too well. That there's more than know. multiple ways to do math. But the, the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Yeah. <laughs> The dummy Kruger effect? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that works too, but that's technically not the name. <clears throat> uh, where was I? Um, so, oh, so. I uh, wanted to go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say so, the, um, you know, as as much as I don't want to throw everything into like, oh my God, you know, either happy or, ca or, or, or distraught side after so few games balance balance is good Go on who spiked the water in new jersey i am so perplexed i mean we are we are not even what like a week and a half away from lindy ruff's head being on the chopping block well in fairness new jersey hockey fans they're like New York Jets football fans and New York Mets baseball fans. Um, I mean, no particular names are coming to mind. But they overreact to certain things because they just like pain in their lives. And who would have thought some of the answers to your prayers would be cast off Washington Capitals goaltending? Who knew? <laughs> Well, isn't that the answer to everybody's prayers? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, it didn't help Vancouver for a few years back, but yeah, well, you know, if you can't get the guy's turtle over the border, you can't expect him to play well for you. Right. Um, you know, uh, a man in his turtle. His emotional security turtle. Hey, you know what? That'd actually rock. <laughs> Because you'd, you'd both just want to curl up under something and not really acknowledge each other's there, but yet you knew, but yet both of you would know you're there. 
So, and, you know. I would prefer tortoises just because, you know, the clamminess factor, but yeah. Well, I'm not cuddling with it. (laughs) (laughs) The emotional support is knowing that it's there cowering in its shell, just like I am there cowering in my blanket. Mm, okay. You know, it's the old, the old, the whole old, you know, we've been married for so long, we can just sit in a room and not speak to each other type thing, but we know each other's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keeping like each that. other company. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I get it. I get it. And, I, you know, and that's fine because I remember it's all about you. Yeah, everything is. Um <laughs> Well, I am, you'd have to you'd have to fight my friend Aparna for that, but that's okay. Dis <laughs> um, disregarded goaltender syndrome. Who else has it? Alexander Georgiev, maybe a little bit. A little bit. Ilya Samsonov, a little bit. Uh, a little more so because not the same defense. True. That Georgiev has. Um, Vanacek, okay. I think we're, yeah, Vanacek's been pretty decent. I'm going to say it, Martin Jones. Thank you. Mm. That's kind of, I was, I was trying to lead you to water, but, you know, as a horse, I wasn't sure what you were going to do. I have Sam Soundoff in fantasy, and yes, I consider picking up Martin Jones after the injury on Saturday. The uh, I have been unbelievably surprised by Martin Jones's play. Not that he's looked like you know world beater, but he's not looked. He's not. He looked doesn't like, look like he's playing in front of the San Jose Sharks defense. Right. Behind. Yeah. No, in some cases in front, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go on. <laughs> Um, who would have thought that making a big offseason free agency pitch after you'd picked up two goaltenders in the expansion draft, one of which you returned, um, for a guy, and I'll, I'll, I'll leverage a term from Jeff Merrick, who has a tough time keeping the hospital bracelet off, would actually allow an opportunity for someone like Martin Jones to come into the fold. Did you imagine what, if they had kept Vanatek? I mean, <laughs> I'm on multiple minds. Because I have a doctor that can dream- help you with that. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like <laughs> Well, it runs in the family, so you know I've learned to deal with it over the ages. Um, I that mean, also sounds Drew, like concerning ages. Go on. Drieger was there, and he was fine. Grubauer, uh, you look like a duck, you walk like a duck, you smell like a duck. You're a duck. And last year, first year with a new club, it's always garbage. And now he's hurt. I wasn't expecting to, him to ever be a Vesna finalist, but just a reminder, he was hurt last year or two mm-hmm. for stretches. So, oh no, he played through some things. 
And that's why they had to go out and get Joey Decord, who is currently backing up Martin Jones, because they gave away. <sighs> I know they. I, I've never seen. Uh, um, no, I can't say that because it's not like I've seen many expansion franchises come into this league. I wasn't. I wasn't born yet when '67 happened. Um, I mean, I think there are plenty in the '90s until now. So. Yeah, but the 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 rules have changed mm. so substantially that there's really not even a good comparison to make, other than just saying. If you used Vegas as a template, just in the draft, not anything that happened to the Magic Year, you know, the the Magic Misfits, the Golden Misfits, whatever you want to call them, you know, that whole thing coming together and exploding like it did. Even if you just look at the draft, um, they did infinitely better in Seattle. I've never seen a team punt a draft so hard and be rewarded for it, you know? I mean, I have. I, that was, I mean, like you said, expansion rules being what they are and different and changing and things. But, I mean, up until Vegas, like, no one expected anyone to be good out of the game when they're expansion teams, right? So, and that went for um, the people putting those teams together. I mean, everyone just kind of assumed the team would be bad because... The idea is that you're picking from the league's leftovers because the leagues are pick are because teams in the league are protecting their best players. And so if you go in with the mentality that, well, everybody I'm picking is going to suck. So our team's going to suck. So I'm not going to put that much effort into this and we're just going to work from drafting. Then. Yeah, you're going to you're going to have a team that sucks because you didn't think you didn't actually think it through about you know, the expansion draft. And that was a big problem for why historically expansion teams have sucked is because everyone just assumed that they were going to suck. They didn't put much effort into the expansion draft and they just were like, okay, we're just going to draft draft picks and trade for players and call it good. And so until Vegas, Vegas was the only team out of all of those who actually decided, you know what? We're going to have a plan about who we're going to pick for an expansion draft. We're going to actually figure out the best coherent group of people we can come up with, with quote unquote, the league's leftovers. And we're going to like figure it out and see if we can put something together instead of half-assing it and, you know, basically admitting to failure before they even start. And and that was that was why Vegas was different. Everybody else just kind of half-assed it, and Vegas was like, "No, we're going to try to make this work," and they did. Also, all the hockey men overvalued their third liners and fourth defensemen the first go around. True. The difference I think now is I heard some stories about the Ottawa Senators and you know their first full year in the league and how they attention. Apparently, and they were fined for this, tanked that first season with a with a roster of players who were able to stay up on their skates, and they ended up drafting Alexander Dag as a result. And everyone considered Dag a flop because you know he didn't put up first overall pick. Eric Lindros just went before us type numbers. 
because he had no one to play with. He was basically a junior all-star coming into a AHL, IHL quality roster at the time. At least we can say for Seattle, and I don't think you could really say this for, for Vegas, is Maddie Veneers is insulated. Shane Wright, when he's allowed to just just fly and skate and not need, need to be near the bench every 15 seconds. Like he has some ankle monitor on him. Because, man, is he the high forward in the zone a lot. These young players might get a chance to play, so maybe this strategy works long-term. And, you know you're not doing the mathematic gymnastics that is, oh, we have to give away really good players for free and toss in another useful NHL caliber player and get nothing in return like Vegas has. So I think long-term this will work out for Seattle. What they have to do is make sure you're not the t- the 2000s Minnesota Wild and be stuck in the middle. Just be vanilla-flavored vanilla for the longest time. Yeah, it's like you've said, Pat, is that Ron Francis is setting things up nicely for his successor. <laughs> and it's not like we have proof of concept of that happening, where you take some good players and then you use them a little differently and see what happens. But... Or you take the, um, have to be careful, the Doug Armstrong situation, and sometimes you just got to blow it up and let guys go. Because who, boy, am I waiting for them to do something in St. Louis? You mean other than their little posturing delicate flower attempting to goon people god i really only when they're winning ugh. or only when they're losing only yeah. when he's only when he's being a petulant little anyway i you know i really wish billy smith or ron hextall or bless his heart and rest in peace ray emery were still in this league just or somebody made the great point the the whatever team you know St. Louis plays next needs to sign Mike Smith for one day. Because <laughs> Mike Smith would go apoplectic on him if he tried any of that crap. I you know we didn't get the goalie fight that we deserved on that one Battle of Alberta game a couple years ago. Um, damn it. I, I am I am down for bringing Mike Smith back for you know a few games on a team that plays St. Louis, you know they should they should sign him and then just trade him to every team that plays St. Louis, you know and, until until Bennington gets his put in his place. I have no time for fake tough. And he is he is the ultimate fake tough. You know, people are like, oh, Tortorella's faked up. No, literally people had to hold Tortorella back. <laughs> and it wasn't like, hold me back, hold me back before, you know, before, no, no. 
they people he was trying to climb over people to get in that locker room. Mm-hmm. That's not fake tough. Fake tough is being all you you know, boom, I'm gonna all take a swipe at you and then let everyone else deal with the after effect. And I am also implying a little bit to Austin Matthews. No, Austin Matthews doesn't need to fight for crying out loud. You know, don't just stand there with that POS grin on your face like, (laughs) you know, and let everyone else take care of everything for you. Get in there and help. You started it. You stood up for yourself. Great. Perfect. It's exactly what I want. Don't let Konechny push you around. Konechny wants to drop the gloves. That's not your job. But don't just stand back and watch everyone pile on. Give me a break. And rant. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a bullying tactic. You know, to to pick a fight and then let somebody else take that fight for you. Um, okay, so hear me out here. So, someone stop me before I make any more comments on that whole thing. <clears throat> uh, Mike Greer, he inherited the team with bad goaltending. I don't think he has any aspirations of making his current San Jose Sharks club. Jordan Bennington led Tarasenko, hell, even Ryan O'Reilly to the San Jose Sharks as part of a package, mainly because of salary, for one Eric Carlson, just to change things up. Then they can rely on Billy, who so is not there anymore. <laughs> oh, no, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, James Reimer goes the other way. Oh, okay. Oh, why would you do that to our poor James? You know, James. Because I think if the St. Louis Blues had a real starting goaltender, they might be okay. 500. Someone who doesn't throw little temper tantrums, who's just even keeled and makes stops when you have competent. No longer big, bruising defenseman in front of you, but you just have, you know, good guys that can hold on to the puck and Colton Pareko who can push a guy out of the way. So you're telling me that Justin Falk and Tori Krug aren't good? No, they're perfectly fine. Jordan Bennington got a little too used to having a bunch of guys that cleared the way. They were a little overly physical that could, you know, be the big brothers for the little uh, POS brother that no one really likes, but he's blood and you kind of, you reluctantly have to do things. Mainly, I'm I'm just trying to think, what would be a fun place for Eric Carlson to go where there's a general manager who's actually willing to do something um, bold? So wait, he's not going to go back to Ottawa and just become the new general manager when there's new ownership? It I, depends if Alfredson is part of that ownership group or not. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. 
Um, I mean, surely Ottawa could make that work. Don't call me Shirley. Um, Sorry, Diane. Um, <laughs> I, that San Jose has three poison pill contracts. Eric Carlson is one. Mark Edward Vlasic is two. Timo Meyer is three. Timo Meyer would be the easiest to move. Nope, he's the hardest. And here's why. Yes. Okay. His qualifying offer is ten million. Yeah, that put a wrench in your whole thing, didn't it? <laughs> His qualifying offer is ten million. It's not negotiated at ten million. It is ten, ten million. million. Thanks to Doug Wilson, that's the little stipulation that he agreed to in Timo Meyer's sort of bridgey contract. Ten million qualifying offer. Was Doug planning on the cap going up that much? Uh, probably. Was he expecting Timo Meyer to be this unbelievable lights out type star? Probably. I Is don't he know what else to he was not thinking. be there that long? I, I, he may have been. You know, he literally could have been. This is going to be someone else's problem. Now, uh, you know, all kidding aside, you know, I hope his health is stabilizing and he's getting better. Uh, he, if if he had not been forced to for health reasons, he would be there until he'd be the Lou Lamarella. He would just be with. Actually, no, he'd just be with that franchise because nobody was going to fire him. Right. So he'd still be there. But no, I I was talking to someone about this last night. Timo Meyer is probably one of the most desirable assets that they have that they can't do anything with. Because nobody in their right mind is going to take a $10 million qualifying offer for a guy that's not worth it. So they're not going to pay the price. So they're only going to want to do a rental because they're only going to keep him until you know, the end of the season. So they're not going to pay first round picks and a bunch of stuff because, you know, I'm not keeping them. Are you kidding? At 10 million, I'm not going to qualify him. So I'm not giving you a package like that. You know who just might do that, though? Arizona? The Buffalo Sabres. (laughs) They've been willing to bet and go higher in number and term on certain players in the last calendar year. They have, but I Meyer was a player they actually liked, and I'm not here to say they think he's worth that. I think they would consider it. So wait, I have a question. So if San Jose, so how many how many years is left on? His contract. So uh, this one. He's an RFA after so, this season. So yeah. if San Jose doesn't qualify him, does that qualifying offer still apply for other teams, or is that null and void because the San Jose Sharks haven't qualified him? If they fail to qualify him, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So yes. I think that. So I think what you're going for, Cassie, is I think that may have been their plan all along. Get rid of was him, to, or let him well, get rid of himself. <laughs> kind of was was to not qualify him and let him become a free agent, but it's a gamble, right? Because 
you know, the whole point of restricted free agency is, is you get to control the asset for as long as they're a restricted free agent. Right. So, you know, you don't want to send them to free, you know, unrestricted free agency when you still think that you can get a cost controlled asset from it. So they kind of blew that out of the water. So, you know, if you don't qualify him, he's free to go anywhere he wants and sign for whatever he wants. Now, right. is he going to get 10 million? No. But does that matter to him? No, because he's not bound to be a shark anymore, right? And he's only worried about what is the what is his market what is his market value, I guess. What is his market value and who's going to give him that 7-year deal? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the other side of it too, right? Is is now you know now he's got to deal with or now they have to deal with the you know somebody like i said he's effectively a rental if nobody's going to qualify him and so nobody's going to pay a big package for a rental of a guy who's got good numbers not world beater solid you know would probably be a second line winger on a on a cup contending team maybe you're not going to pay a hell of a lot for it you're certainly not going to qualify him you know you'd like to keep him but you can't because 10 million is poison pill, so have fun. And you can't do one of those, hey, you know, we're not going to qualify you, so, but, you know, here's a sneaky contract set out for you, you know. We'll do seven years at, you know, six and a half or seven million. So we're not going to qualify you, but, you know, type thing, because there would be people up in arms. Um, Not that it hasn't happened or probably wouldn't happen, I'm just saying, so... Now that's that is that is probably the biggest poison pill contract I think I have ever seen in the NHL. Hmm. If that you know, to your point, what I was going to say earlier, Pat, to your point on the Buffalo side, um, they have shown a predisposition to paying some of the youth, but they also it's been a how do I want to put this? It's it's been more calculated than I think with this, because Myers' contract, you know, came in before he'd even really done anything, and he's lived up to maybe like half of that contract, you know. Whereas I think Buffalo is is not going so crazy on the high end, you know, that they think they're going to blow away the number. Right. It's sort of like the Nathan McKinnon. We know you're going to be a star. You just need to show us how much of a star you're going to be. So until you get to, you know, superstar level, we're going to pay you sort of like a upper tier star. So here's your seven million. Right. Now go prove you're worth 13 type thing. It really makes you think about maybe Chicago did make a good deal when they sent Alex to bring cats out because he had the exact same setup of a contract. Just he's more justified in earning that figure. He's made his qualifying offer after the season is $9 million. I think most teams around the league would, if they had $9 million laying around, they would give it to Jimmy cat. You're not going to do that for Meyer, but the market to acquire such a player and then accept that one-year QO, not as big as you would think. Yeah. So you know what? You, you've turned it around. I, I will agree. He, 
He goes ahead of Vlasic. Yeah. Yeah. Vlasic's is just, that's, it's a poison pill because the guy can't play. Love Mark. Oh, well, he's, is, he, he, he has looked like an NHL player again, but that's not saying a whole lot. He's a, he's a serviceable five, six, seven, but mm-hmm. not at that price, right? So his potential, you know, that one I think is a little bit easier to move because you can you can launder through a couple of teams because I think what's there's only like two years left on it or something. Three. There's three. Yeah. Yeah. And it know. really doesn't tail off until the final year when the base drops to five million. Yeah, but you can you can still find a way to to money launder that through Arizona and you know someone else. Chicago probably. Yeah. Maybe because yeah, you look at them in the rebuild cycle. Yeah, you know, hey, we'll give you Mark Edward Vlasic for three million or something because half of it stand with San Jose, twenty five stand with Arizona, twenty five stand with Chicago. All of them get you know compensation in some way, shape, or form, and you get Mark Edward Vlasic to you know be that veteran guy on your young defense. So that one I think is easier. Carlson's. Carlson's, if you don't get rid of it in the next month or two, you're likely never going to because he's not going to do this again next year. <laughs> nope. No. Well, I think he's finally had the time off to heal his ability to skate forward well. Because defensively, he's never going to be the same where he can outskate his mistakes. But he's. He's doing things we haven't seen in a very long time. Well, like I joked, you know, when he got there and the and the team sort of went through this whole like starting to suck cycle, who would have thought that adding an Eric Carlson archetype to a team that already had an Eric Carlson archetype didn't in, didn't exponentially increase their Eric Carlson, you know, proficiency level. Yeah, <laughs> and wouldn't you know that that one column, the value went up when they got rid of the redundancy. Right. Hmm. Interesting. And it's not like he's playing. You know, it's just a couple more minutes a game, or three or four minutes a game, I think more. So it's not like he's eaten. You know, all of all of Burns's ice time, but it's it's those situations that he would not be in. It's just like Nick Ritchie in Arizona. Here's a serviceable player who couldn't do a thing in Toronto. And, oh, now he's playing for the lowly Coyotes, who are just not good enough. But he's able to produce and help them win what few games they they are actually capable of because he doesn't have nine other players in front of him. Just taking enough of the cookies away where it takes two or three puck touches. I'm talking to you, Dave Haxtall. Let the kid touch the puck. Let him have a shot. You know, the kid's only registered one shot in seven you know, games. The whole thing is, is I mean, the whole Eric Carlson thing in, in uh, San Jose, bringing him in even though Burns was there. I mean, it just underlines the fact that, one, the professional scouts don't know what they're doing, and two, these hockey men who have been in hockey all their lives don't know what they're doing. (laughs) You know? It's, 
you would think that that someone who has played on team or teams for all of their lives would understand how players mesh with other players, but no. Obviously not, because we get all these general manager goofs, uh, you know, trying to figure out, well, we have this guy and we need another one of this guy, and that's just going to be great instead of recognizing that you have the, that one guy is a high-maintenance type player and having two high-maintenance type players on the same team probably won't go well at the same position. Just ask the Winnipeg Jets last season. Correct. So, yes. So, which is, which is why I say, Cassie, every team simply needs one Philip J. Kessel. This has been the 3v3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.